2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Another translation puts it this way, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Other translations say we should make every effort, and then emphasizes rightly dividing the word of truth, or being one who interprets the message of truth correctly, who correctly handles the word of truth. Are we this diligent, as the word of truth calls us to be? Why is it so important? Well, Peter warns in 2 Peter 3 that some of Paul's writings are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. And then he goes on to say, we need to make sure we don't get caught up in following after that error ourselves and being destroyed by that. So, how can we not be ashamed? not be destroyed, but rather correctly handle the word of truth and thus be approved of God. That's the important conversation we will start today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham, and I'm grateful for our time together. Thank you so much for listening. So, how can we accurately, correctly handle the word of truth? Well, let's start by considering this question. Do we need balance? Let's first think about this question simply in terms of the natural world. There are a number of examples of our need for balance. First, have you ever suffered vertigo or know someone who has suffered from vertigo? We usually take balance for granted, and yes, we may get ourselves dizzy at one little moment or something like that, but for the most part, we walk around and we do the things that we do on an assumption of and just totally taking for granted the balance that God has blessed us with on a day-to-day basis. But if you've ever suffered vertigo or heard stories of that, you know that uh, that is debilitating. And that is deeply troubling and hard for people to be able to, uh, to work with. And, and uh, they need to overcome that in order to be able to get back to a normal way of life because we need that balance that we take for granted. We also need uh, a balanced diet. So we're told anyway, I'm told by my doctor, I'd better eat a balanced diet. And the problem is when I don't eat a balanced diet, my body doesn't function as well as it should. And with that, my doctor also tells me I ought to be balancing a good diet with some exercise, right? Well, yeah, if I'm out of balance and not getting the exercise I should, my body's not going to perform the way it's designed. Let's look at weather. If we've got weather problems, what happens if we have too much sun and not much rain? Drought conditions are very devastating. On the flip side, if there's too much rain all at once, we are flooded, and that is destructive. In the ecosystem, animal populations, if there ends up becoming way too many animals, 
um, let's say the deer population gets out of hand and there's way too many of them in a certain area, some of them start to starve. On the flip side, if we end up uh, going after the deer population too quickly, too much, there could become too few and uh, we risk extinction of a particular animal. And so those extremes are not where we need it to be. We don't need starvation on one end or extinction on the other. We need a balance in nature across the circle of life. Otherwise, uh, other things in just our regular thought process, there are just appeals to balance that we have from time to time. Sometimes we say, well, we need to do everything in moderation. That's just simply an appeal to a balanced mindset. When I was growing up, I guess, especially because my name's John, I would appeal to my dad and say, all work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy. Remember that expression? Well, dad would flip it around on me and say, all play and no work makes Johnny a spoiled boy. And we need to have a balance of work and play, of labor and leisure in order to have a healthy lifestyle. And so we have these physical appeals to balance and recognition of the value of balance all the time. What happens if we lose our balance physically? We stumble, we fall. What happens if we have an unbalanced diet and we don't exercise? We're more likely to have disease and difficulties. And in general, a lack of balance physically brings about problems, brings about failures, and brings about even death. We need balance, and we take it for granted all the time. But here's what I want us to do is I want to make a proposal that spiritually as well, we need balance. We need what I'm going to call biblical balance. Now, this idea sounds pretty good if I do say so myself, but here's a key question. Is this idea of biblical balance actually a scriptural concept? Did you notice something about when I started talking about balance, so far I haven't given a single scripture? Now, I'm going to make up for that very soon, but what I want you to be careful about, I need to be careful about making a proposal without scriptural foundation. And you need to be careful about that too. Just because I have, or anyone else you listen to, has an entertaining illustration or an interesting argument, that doesn't mean it's the truth of God. It doesn't mean it's according to the word of truth. It may just be some theory of man. So this might be just my idea. It may sound great, but if it's not actually scriptural, what should you do with it? Run. Reject it. Because the wisdom of men is not the word of God. An idea must be biblical or don't follow it. So I'm going to make up for my intro and we're going to go to a lot of scripture in order to be able to show whether or not this is true according to God's Word. How should we approach this study and any study? Well, Acts 17 and verse 11, and I've made reference to this before, but it's good to be reminded right here. The Bereans were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. 
in that they receive the word with all readiness and search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's what I urge you to do with what I say or with what anyone says. Might I ask, are you casually hearing or reading things in order to keep a positive, encouraging vibe going? Or are you diligently seeking God, receiving the word with all readiness, and searching the scriptures to make sure what you are hearing or reading is a true reflection of God's revealed will? Don't take my word for it. Don't take others' word for it. Please search the scriptures and pursue what is true. So, let's see if the Bible teaches the need for biblical balance. Let's look at Matthew 23 and verse 23. The English Standard Version is where I'm going to read from in just a minute, but let me give you a, the context of what Matthew 23 is talking about. Jesus is condemning a wide range of failings of the religious leaders of that day all throughout Matthew chapter 23. And one of those condemnations comes in verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. What was wrong with the scribes and Pharisees? They were off on one extreme such that they would get so focused on some minute details of keeping God's commands, but then totally miss the big picture, the real purpose and heart of the matter. As such, they were soundly condemned by Jesus. Let us not get off track in that direction. But think about this. Does Jesus' statement mean that the commandments of God can be set aside as long as we are pursuing justice and mercy and faithfulness? One might conclude that if that was all that Jesus said. But Jesus didn't stop there. He continued and said, These you ought to have done, the weightier matters of the law, you ought to have done without neglecting the others. That's the balance our Lord expects. Directing the false mindset of the Pharisees to the balanced way that God expects us to live. So let's flip this around a little bit. Many today wish to appeal to God's love and appeal in some way to God's grace, um, perhaps in a way that is aligned with big picture themes of justice and mercy and faithfulness. But they appeal to God's love to the neglect of and significantly downplaying the significance of doing what God commands. This interpretation of God's love is a view that is totally opposite of what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. But is this other viewpoint correct? Well, let's read the whole verse together again to get the full understanding of the balance that Jesus calls us to. Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. 
So Jesus says there are two aspects that we shouldn't neglect, both the weightier matters and some details of obedience. So what Jesus concludes is that we have to balance both of these things properly. So let's summarize. How can we be out of balance? Well, one extreme would be neglecting the weightier matters of justice and mercy and faithfulness like the scribes and Pharisees did. But on another extreme, we could neglect details of obeying God the way God said. Instead, Jesus tells us we need to do the justice and mercy and faithfulness as well as we need to not neglect the commands of God. Let's seek to find that biblical balance. Because being out of balance is not abiding in the will of God. Well, here's a second illustration that is quicker, but another thing that Jesus taught that shows us the biblical balance we have to have. When Jesus was talking with the Samaritan woman in John 4, verses 23 and 24, he says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So this is pretty straightforward. What happens if we worship in truth, we are doing the commands of God pertaining to worship, uh, whatever God has commanded, we are worshiping in that way, in truth, but we don't have spirit. We are not engaged in the heart properly. Well, God's not going to be pleased with that, no matter how much we're paying attention to details of his commands. We're out of balance. What happens on the flip side, though, if we worship with great zeal, worshiping in spirit with great zeal and, and a stated desire, a felt desire to want to worship God in a pleasing way, but we're not doing it according to the truth of what God's Word says? Well, that would be out of balance, too. The biblical balance that Jesus says we must have, he says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We have to have both of those elements in proper balance. And what we will see as we study together more is that in all aspects of life, there is a balance that God points us to, and that balance is what God expects us to live within. If we become extreme relative to the balance that God's Word teaches, we're not abiding in His will. At this point, let me pause for a moment to say I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me with your comments or questions. My email address is seeksearch, all is one word, seeksearch at yahoo.com. Also, if you're on Facebook, look up seeksearch as two words and like the page. I look forward to connecting with you in these ways. Now, let's ask a question and search the scriptures to discover the biblically balanced answer. Are religious traditions bad? Are religious traditions bad? Think about that for a minute. We may have a gut reaction to respond, well, yes, they're bad. Or maybe we have a reaction that said, well, no, religious traditions are good. Or maybe we have a gut reaction that says, eh, maybe. But instead, we need to train our response to be, 
what does the Bible say about that question? And go to the Scriptures. Well, first, let's go to Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, from this passage, let's particularly note verse 3, where Jesus says, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Verse 6, where he says, So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. And verse 9, where he concludes, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So what does this passage make us think the answer to the question is? Are religious traditions bad? Well, it sure seems so from this discussion from Jesus. However, let's now consider 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15, where Paul says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Well, how can these two passages be in harmony with each other? The way that we harmonize this is we need to recognize there is a huge difference between traditions that are from men compared to traditions that are based on the Word of God. So let's look also at Colossians 2 and verse 8. There, Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Okay, so what traditions should we not hold? We need to not hold on to traditions that are according to human tradition, the traditions of men. But what traditions should we hold according to 2 Thessalonians 2? We need to hold on to those traditions that are according to Christ, that are according to his word as revealed in the word of God, the epistles and the other writings of Scripture. So the question that we need to ask ourselves, are the traditions that I follow, are they traditions that are truly from God's word, or am I merely following traditions that have been created by men, by religious men, maybe sincerely religious men, but if they are traditions that are based on what men are teaching and they're not actually from what God's inspired word says, we need to be careful about that. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, 
according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Now, let's consider 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5 says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. Okay, now what Paul is warning Timothy about is that the Spirit says there are going to be times in the future after Paul and Timothy in which people are going to fall away from the faith and they're going to follow after what's deceitful in teachings that aren't from the faith. And a couple of elements of that departure are going to be the forbidding of marriage and advocating abstaining from foods that God's created to be enjoyed. So I want you to think about this. Is it on an individual basis, is it wrong if someone decides not to get married? Well, no, it's okay if someone doesn't get married. But if men come along and set up a religious teaching that forbids a person to ever enter into marriage, as if that were a requirement from God in order for them to be able to serve God in some capacity, is that the truth of God or is that a tradition of men? That's a tradition of men. That is not a command of God. That's not a framework of God. And this passage warns there's going to be a departure from the truth and men will start to set up barriers forbidding marriage as if that were a command of God. That's not part of the truth. Well, abstaining from foods in various ways. If I decide, and the Bible talks about fasting from time to time and that kind of thing, if I decide individually to abstain from foods in some way, is that wrong? No. The Bible talks about the idea of fasting, and so on an individual basis, there would be reason for me to think about that from time to time. But should a religious institution, should men set up a religious teaching that commands a systematic observance of abstaining from foods at a certain time of the year, or in some certain circumstance, as if it were a requirement from God? Certainly not. That kind of a framework isn't from the Word of God. It is a framework that is simply the doctrines of men. So while I certainly can individually decide not to ever marry, or I could individually decide when to abstain from certain foods in certain ways, if someone comes along and binds those ideas as traditions of a church— as if they were God's law. That's contrary 
to God's law. That's contrary to this passage, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. Such ideas are traditions of men and not commandments of God. And Jesus describes that problem the way he described the scribes and Pharisees. The problem with the scribes and Pharisees were, in vain do they worship me, Matthew 15, verse 9, in vain do they worship me, because they're teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Okay, so, are religious traditions bad? Well, let's answer that uh, by looking at the extremes and then finding the biblical balance. On one extreme, we could follow traditions of men that contradict the Word of God. And if we do that, then we are following after what men teach, and we violate God's Word. That's condemned by Jesus in Matthew 15. We need to be careful out in that extreme. We need to be careful not to bind some practices that may be okay in and of themselves, but if we bind that on everyone in the church as if it were a law from God when it's not in the law of God, then binding those things that otherwise would be okay to think about, that is wrong as well. That's out in an extreme. That is out of balance. On the other side, we might be tempted to just reject everything that sounds like or looks like or is called a tradition. We can't just reject all traditions. Why? Because there are traditions based on the Word of God that are commands of God we are to obey. And so 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us to observe those traditions. We need to keep the true biblical traditions. So what is that biblical balance? Keep those true, biblically-based traditions, but reject traditions of men that are in contradiction to God's Word, and also don't bind some practices as if they're the law of God when they may be okay to do, but they're not supposed to be bound on all the church all at one time. Are religious traditions bad? Some of them, yes. Some of them, no, according to God's Word. Well, that wraps up our time for today. May we seek God and seek His things and seek His ways by searching the Scriptures and arriving at the biblical balance. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it was a blessing for you. You have been listening to Seek Search. I'm your host, John Bingham. You can contact me by emailing seeksearch at yahoo.com. On Facebook, get connected by liking the Seek Search page. I hope you'll join me each Saturday at noon for the next edition of Seek Search.